Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 100 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. This week I'm starting a review of how to implement an integrated pest management system in your apiary and to celebrate my 100th podcast, I'm thinking someone might like to win a new Honeypore Langstroth Hive courtesy of Honeypore and Modern Beekeeping. Stay tuned to hear how you can get your hands on this great piece of kit. Beekeeping Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. I'm really excited to be sharing my 100th podcast. I never thought I would reach the heavy heights of 100 podcasts. It's been a lot of fun, if not hard work, and I'm really grateful to everyone that tunes in and listens each week. This season, my podcasts are sponsored in part by Honeypore Hives. The guys at Honeypore have kindly set me up with a range of their equipment to demonstrate, and I would ask you to take a look at their range via their website. I've used it for a couple of seasons now, and I'm really enjoying the experience. I'll leave links to their website in the podcast notes as usual. Before we get into this week's topic, I thought I'd round up on how the week has been for me as usual. I'm still watching the weather. It's a favourite pastime for most beekeepers, I guess, waiting to see if the warmer weather allows the bees to get out and start building for spring. This week, we've had some typical spring-like weather, really. Some chilly nights with a little frost in the mornings but some fantastically warm and sunny days, and I was lucky enough to be out at our apiary sites on some of those warm spells, and the bees were really taking advantage of the conditions. Lots of bees out flying. At one apiary, we watched the bees from one hive on orientation flights. This is where worker bees that have just been given their pilot's licence, so to speak, emerge from the hive and tentatively take to the skies only to get a little nervous, turn around and fly gently in front of the hive, making sure they know exactly where they are before moving a little further away in gradual steps. It's almost like they have an invisible thread attached to them that keeps them tethered to the hive until they reach the maximum distance and then it snaps and they fly away from the apiary. Hopefully with the knowledge of how to return safely after they've been off to distant lands. I still find it an amazing technical feat that these little insects can navigate in the way that they do and pass on the information through the waggle dance. When you see it happening on the comb, it's totally mesmerising. In other news, I lost my first winter colony last week, and as I've said on several occasions before, the biggest threat to the bees over winter is the beekeeper, and in this instance it was my fault. So, the colony in question was a medium-sized nucleus colony in a BS Honey 2-in-1 nuke box, so that's a six-frame poly box. The bees occupied around three seams previously and looked healthy enough. I had been feeding them with fondant for the past several weeks, maybe four to six weeks in total, and replacing the fondant as and when needed. This past week, I've been adding Apipasta plus pollen substitute to the colonies, when I got to the particular apiary in question, it was obvious there was something wrong. It was, as I mentioned earlier, a nice, warm, sunny spring day, and the bees were very active. This particular apiary is something of a sun trap, and the bees were making the most of it. 
all except this one nucleus colony, who were not flying at all. Once you've gained a little experience as a beekeeper, you get to know when things aren't right and it makes your heart sink. It's very easy to rush in and take an immediate look, but this is where my bee inspector training takes over and I start to think in terms of the apiary rather than the individual colony. A quick look at the entrance of the doomed nucleus showed no activity at all and there appeared to be no dead bees on the floor outside, at least not in any large numbers. So my thought process at that precise moment is that I can't do anything to help them at that second, so put the pollen patties on the other colonies first and then come back and take a look at the problematic one. And the reason for this is simple. If they have some kind of infectious disease, I don't want to open them up first, get my hands and hive tool covered with any infection and then spread it to the other colonies. There is nothing I can do for them, so leave them until last when there are no other colonies to check and I can just deal with them and clean up after myself. It's a good habit to get into, but difficult to stick to when you've only got a few hives and you spot a problem. The temptation is to get straight in and see what's going on. So all the other colonies were checked and the pollen substitute blocks placed on them. With all the other colonies sorted and looking strong, it was time to go back to the nuke and see what was going on. I removed the roof to reveal the contents of the feeder. Still plenty of fondant in there. Now I was getting really worried. If they've got food, why is there a problem? I'm thinking chronic bee paralysis virus, EFB, AFB, what could have caused it? There were no piles of bees on the floor outside, so probably not CBPV. Also, there weren't any other colonies robbing this apparently dead colony. Normally, if a colony dies out and the other hives in the apiary get a whiff of free food, they're on it in a flash. I removed the feeder to reveal a clump of dead bees all clustered in and around a couple of frames. Lifting out an outside frame, the problem immediately hit me. The frame was empty, completely empty. No bees, no brood, no pollen, no honey, just empty, cleaned out cells. The next frame revealed exactly the same situation, only this time it was covered with dead bees and a very obvious telltale sign of what the problem was. Several hundred bees, all dead in the cells with their heads buried in the cells and their tails sticking out of the tops. These bees had starved. Now I was confused and upset. Why had they starved? They had plenty of stores in the form of the fondant that I'd fed them in the feeder and it was directly above the cluster. I turned my attention to the feeder and lifted the pack of fondant off and the problem became apparent. This colony had appeared low on stores and I'd given them an additional one kilo bag of fondant on top of the first one. What had happened is the strip that I'd cut open to give the bees access to the second bag had somehow worked its way back and resealed the second bag and the weight of the top bag appeared to have collapsed the first bag preventing the bees from getting at the food. It felt like a really stupid mistake that I'd made. Probably I was in a bit of a rush trying to get round all the apiaries to feed and I'd inadvertently pushed the bag down on top and doomed this colony at the same time. This kind of situation doesn't happen very often I'm glad to say but when it does, it makes me quite cross at myself. 
I like to think I know how to give my bees the best chance of getting through the winter, and to make such a silly mistake is really frustrating. Once I'd calmed down, the next step was to remove the nuke from the apiary. Whenever possible, I would recommend you do the same. Don't leave dead colonies for weeks on end in an apiary, especially if they have died of an infectious disease, or you suspect an infectious disease, and certainly don't leave the entrance open for other colonies to rob. It might seem like a good idea letting other colonies have the food stores that the dead colony would no longer need, but it only causes more problems down the road. Another problem you might find if you leave the dead colony on site is that wax moth already in the hive will simply take over and you'll create a nursery for wax moth to then go on to cause issues in your other hives. Get it packed up and sealed immediately, then taken away to clean as soon as you possibly can. I'm going to shoot a video showing how I clean up the dead oak colony this weekend, so check out Patreon for that one. I have to admit, if I only lose this one colony this winter, and we're not out of the cold period yet by a long way, but if it is the only colony, I'll be very happy. This weekend we're gearing up to a massive day of frame making. We've got the team in place and the plan is to use every last sheet of foundation to load up as many frames as we can, so that next week I can order another load of wax foundation to fill up all the remaining frames. It's an ongoing process, like painting the proverbial fourth road bridge. Once we've finished the job, we pretty much have to start all over again. That's because we'll be implementing our integrated pest management system again this spring. Not that we ever stopped, but part of the system is to remove around a third of the old frames from the hives and replace these with cleaned frames and fresh foundation. An integrated pest management plan is a great way to identify specific areas that you can control to minimise the risk, not just from Varroa, but from all pests and diseases. And the great thing about a plan like this is you can adapt it to suit your own beekeeping style. Whether you're happy to use chemical treatments or if you're treatment free, there's a plan that you can use to keep pests and diseases to a manageable level and allow your bees to develop into strong, healthy colonies. I intend going almost treatment-free in one of my apiaries this year. The plan is to use brood comb removal to reduce the loading of Varroa and all the other nasties lurking in the hive. I say almost treatment-free because I still intend using oxalic acid sublimation over the winter period, but other than that I'm going to use no chemicals at all. And I'll explain more about this as we go into the new season and I've selected the lucky apiary. An integrated pest management plan doesn't have to be complicated, as there are several simple steps you can take to get control of pests and diseases in your apiaries. For instance, make sure you wash your bee suit regularly if you wear one, and if you wear gloves, use either disposable ones or maybe washing up gloves that can be washed thoroughly between hive inspections. Likewise, always have a wash bucket with clean water with washing soda and a splash of washing up liquid in it to clean hive tools between each hive inspection. Don't allow visitors into your apiary without asking them to make sure they have a clean bee suit to wear and if they turn up wearing something that could probably stand up on its own, politely tell them to bugger off or lend them a spare suit you might have for just such an occasion. Beekeepers who turn up at someone else's apiary with dirty bee suits and boots should know better and totally expect to be turned away. Other areas to manage are apiary tidiness. 
don't leave wax comb cut out of hives and off frames to be left dropped on the floor. Use a bucket or tray to collect it all and make sure it's bagged up and taken away at the end of each inspection. As I mentioned earlier, if you find a dead colony, do something with it. Close the entrance if you can't take it away, but close the entrance anyway because you know bees will sniff it out wherever you leave it. If you remove frames to swap out, don't leave them in the apiary to be robbed out just because you think they have some good food stores that other colonies could use. You're heading for disaster. Maybe not this season or next, but one day it will bite you and bite hard. The same goes for open feeding. I never open feed my bees. That's to say, leaving out trays of dry pollen substitute or buckets of syrup for all the colonies to feed from together. It won't just be your bees feeding from the food you leave out, and it only takes a little infection to spread a very long way. Quite a topical point if you're watching the news right now. Feed bees directly on each hive. I know it means more equipment, but that's something you need to take into account when you invest in new hives. These are easy, self-help steps you can take that will immediately reduce the risk levels from pests and disease. You'll be way ahead of other beekeepers that don't do these things, and they'll be the ones telling you their heartbreaking stories of how disease spread through their colonies like a dose of the plague. I'll talk more about the integrated pest management plan as we get into the season, and I'll show you what I do around the apiaries to manage my risk as best I can. So, we come to the last segment of this week's podcast, and to celebrate my 100th podcast, I've teamed up with Honeypaw and Modern Beekeeping to give away a Honeypaw hive complete with everything you might need to run one of these fantastic hives. All you have to do is put it together, paint it, and put the bees in it. You will have seen how I put my hives together and painted them on our recent videos, so there's no excuse now. All you have to do is enter the competition. I'm even including all the frames and wax you need. The kit includes the following. A mesh floor, a deep brood box with frames and wax, a queen excluder, two medium supers complete with frames and wax, a cover board, a telescoping or standard roof, and a strap to hold it all together. The total value of this fantastic hive is well over £180, including delivery, and I'm going to send it anywhere in the world, so wherever you're listening from, you'll have an equal chance of winning. The closing date for entries is Tuesday the 31st of March 2020, and full terms and conditions can be found on my website, a link of which I'll put in the podcast notes. The one thing you have to do is to answer a simple question, the answer of which I've already given, so I hope you've been listening closely. So, if you're ready, here is the question. Oh, once you have the answer, drop me a message via my Patreon direct messaging system with that answer, and you'll be automatically entered into the draw. Oh, and the question, of course. Here it is. Who are the two companies that have kindly offered their support by supplying this fantastic prize for our competition? I told you it was an easy one. The question once more. Who are the two companies that have kindly offered their support by supplying the fantastic prize for our competition? If you've forgotten, go back to the beginning of the podcast and listen all over again. Not to get the answer, but as punishment for not listening closely enough the first time. If you've got the answer, simply drop me a message and I'll put you into the draw. 
Good luck, everyone, and thanks for taking part, and thank you so much for supporting me. Finally, a repeat of last week's final notice. If any of you are going to the first big beekeeping event here in the UK at Stonely Park, that's Bee Tradex, it's on Saturday the 14th of March. I think I might have got the date wrong last week, actually, but it's definitely the 14th of March. I just checked online. Do look out for me. I'll be somewhere around the modern beekeeping stand at some point in the morning and come over and say hello. I'll be loitering around, probably helping Paul with inquiries on honey pour hives and zucan syrups and fondants. I hope you have a fantastic week. The new season will be soon upon us, so let's do all we can to have a fast start. Good luck with the competition, and thank you so much for your support. I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was Beekeeping Short and Sweet. Thank you.